0: And then we're going to go solve a murder, finally.
1: (laughs) (laughs) This is Geekology, a show where we geek out about all things awesome. Episode 2, the longest wedding toast ever.
2: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Geekology, the show where we geek out about all things awesome. Yes. I don't even know our own slogan.
1: You came up with it. I
2: know. <laughs> um this is episode number two.
1: Two. Uh
2: we don't do the dates anymore. I'm rusty at this. Okay. Um we are joined today. We have our first geekologist. Uh, um, Francesca. And you are poet prodigy seven on Twitter, correct?
0: Yes. Okay.
2: So well. And apparently,
0: I'm a geekologist now. I you thought are. I was going for a PhD I, in Victorian literature. I think I'd rather be a geekologist. I might change well, my career. Uh, now. Really, really? Who wouldn't? You know? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know we were doing that. So. Oh, I thought we discussed that. <laughs> I don't think so, but we well, we're like doing it. it now. I like it. <laughs> makes us sound very professional. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Um, Today we are discussing episode two of Sherlock. And this isn't actually going to be the Sherlock podcast, but it just happens to be what's happening right now. So that's what we're talking about. Called The Sign of Three.
1: The Sign of Three, yeah.
2: Which is a takeoff on The Sign of Four,
1: right? In the the Sherlock, in the original Sherlock Holmes. Original stories, yes. Yeah.
2: Which I actually started when... Because in high school I started... um, in school, we had to read The Hound of the Baskervilles. Right. And I really, really liked it. And I was like, oh, Sherlock Holmes, I want to read more. So I got the sign of four from the library and couldn't get into it for whatever reason. So. Oh,
0: really? Yeah. yeah. I think it's really interesting that a lot of the stories that I hear from people, um, just from Sherlock Holmes fans and also just in my work as a Victorianist, that a lot of those things happen um, to people when they are teenagers and when they're in school and start Sherlock Holmes seems to be a lot of people's entrance into the mystery genre. I actually got into it, I think, from my seventh grade science teacher. She was talking about um, Sherlock Holmes in the context of science, and I just thought he sounded so cool that I went home and I told my mom that I, I wanted to read all the Sherlock Holmes stories, and so I started doing that, and I guess have been a fan ever since, so...
2: That's interesting because I actually, like I said, I I read a little bit, um, but I wasn't a, as big a fan of just because I hadn't read much of it of the original Sherlock Holmes. But I really right. love the new series, so yeah. So we have the two, and Darcy, you're you've read a lot of them. Yeah, too. I've
1: read I've read most of them. Um, so we
2: have the two perspectives, and it,
1: I I love that. That's actually one thing I really like about. Sherlock, the, the the new series is that you you don't have to have read the stories, but if you have, there's a lot of stuff in there. Yeah, like little...
0: there are a lot of canonical references. I think Moffat and Gatees are clever in that respect that they stick them in there. Almost as inside jokes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, in in series one, we had the, um, you know, there were there were references to uh, things like the, you know, with like the five, with the five orange pips and there were right. um, a lot of, there were a lot of other, a lot of other jokes and even just, just ways that he, ways that Sherlock makes deductions. There are things that kind of cross the stories. They'll sometimes lift something from another story um, to put in, they'll sometimes lift things from another story to put in a particular episode. They may not be adapting that particular story but they pull from throughout the canon, and I think that's really clever. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely.
1: Um,
2: okay, so this episode in particular was, for me, a roller coaster of emotions. <laughs> <laughs> I laughed, I cried. <laughs> um, do we want to do it the same way we did last time? Or? Yeah, we'll
1: just kind of go through highlights of it, really. Okay. Um, it, it basically, I mean, the, the majority of the, the episode kind of features, like, probably the longest wedding toast ever.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? I loved it. completely. With... I really wasn't sure where he was going with that for a while. I I had my own thoughts about it. But, <laughs> yeah. but including a pause
1: for a quick Q&A session. Yeah. <laughs> <the ventros.
0: Yeah. laughs> I actually got a little bit lost during that part. I was a little bit confused and I thought for some reason at first that they were he was, for whatever reason, because he was describing... Um, you know, he was describing and recapping cases that he had solved or failed to solve with John. And I thought at first that that was a flashback to some kind of a police press conference. It took a couple seconds to figure out that he was still, Is- that he was kind of working the <laughs> wedding crowd. And I thought, oh, Sherlock, you are just adorably ridiculous. <laughs> that was great. Yeah. That was I great. Got,
2: I have to admit, I got a little teary. Um. Yeah. In, in the one with the one speech that in the middle when he was being all sincere. Um. Because we don't really actually get to see that a lot from Sherlock. You know, him being sincere. We don't. So. And I
0: think that, that that that's actually really important because it. I think that's a complicated moment for Sherlock because. Yes. At first, you think, all right this is really predictable, of course this this best man toast is going to be all about him because everything has to be about him, even when it's supposed to be John's moment. Yeah. But then we get the punchline that what he's actually doing is not talking about himself to flatter himself, but talking about himself to highlight, actually, his emotional... Um, not necessarily his emotional weakness, but the struggle that he has to really kind of um relate to people get in touch with his emotional register and john is the one who helps him do that so what he's actually doing with that speech is giving us a really compelling example of how john in a lot of ways is the better and the stronger man but we don't realize that that's what he's doing until the very end and i think the only reason we buy it is because of the way that he sets it up yeah yeah and it's like, you know.
2: And then sh- he was like, why are they doing that? And <laughs> when everyone was like, you know, crying and stuff, he was like, make them stop. Yeah, why,
1: what's, what's going on here? I, I'm not finished yet.
2: He's <laughs> like, now it's time to cheer up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then
0: we're going to go solve a murder. Finally. <laughs> At an episode, we're going to solve a murder.
1: Yeah. Oh, I have to say, one of the. Just going back a little bit, because I think this was before the. Um, a couple of things, but before the actual uh, toast, that, that sort of amused me. One of the, the funny lines when, uh, well, first of all, when Mrs. Hudson brought him his tea in the morning, he was just like, "I, I just, you know," I always assume that just sort of happened, <laughs> like,
0: no one. No, Mrs. Hudson is is not not to cross and you know not not to to cross fandoms here but it's almost as if mrs hudson is a house elf that yeah. you know the good mark of mrs hudson is that you don't know she's there <laughs> yeah <laughs> which is it, really unfortunate <laughs>
1: but then the thing that cracked me up was she was like she was like your mom your, your mother has a lot to answer for and he was like yes i have a list mycroft has a file <laughs> <laughs>
2: I missed Minecraft has a file.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have a list. Minecraft has a file.
0: Yeah, the best that I missed that as well. Although I did not miss, although I didn't realize it at first, that in uh, The Empty Hearse, the scene with, with Sherlock's parents, that those are actually, that couple is actually Benedict Cumberbatch's parents. Oh, really? really? So, so that's I, cool. I was really amused by that that was a very clever and that was a very uh that was a very clever addition there
2: speaking of that is does benedict actually play the violin because if if he does that it would be awesome i
0: i don't think he Aww. learned to play the violin as <laughs> I, but apparently he did have a violin coach that he uses when he has to film those scenes so yes, yeah he does actually i don't know if he plays the violin on his own as a hobby. I don't think he does, but I do know that he does have a violin coach for the scenes in Sherlock where he has to play the violin. So that's authentic. And I actually find that very impressive. Yeah. Like
2: that's actually authentic playing. Yeah. That's actually. Which is. That's kind of amazing. (laughs) because It's it's really good. Like,
0: yeah. Yeah. And I think it's important because it shows the extent to which he really wants to immerse himself in, in the character. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that was that was that was great um and obviously like the whole thing that's leading up to to the the um uh the the wedding we kind of skipped over but like where the other thing i thought was sort of amusing was where he's basically almost not not really interrogating but very certainly interviewing all the prospective wedding people like the ushers and the, the... yeah <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> And the the little kid, was he like the ring bearer or something? Yeah. Yeah. And I thought
0: that was really interesting too, just showing a a side to Sherlock that I think that's sort of kind of foreshadowing the way that he was setting up that, that need that he, recognition that he needs to learn to get in touch with the warm fuzzies. Yeah. And, you know, working that through a child i think because i mean it was it was funny it was adorable but it also showed a certain sensitivity the the ability to interact with a child i could never imagine sherlock yeah
1: yeah but he did it in a way that was completely like no one else would would show yeah like right here's all the pictures of (laughs) grisly murders
0: you know it was completely you know yet the the interaction was completely organic yeah
1: yeah related great. to
0: each other so well and I, I thought that that was a really interesting touch in terms of just, just kind of the subtle ways I mean, I, I think it's really interesting that we have these kind of really subtle moments where you see Sherlock developing some kind of an emotional register and you have to look for it um, it's not always blatantly obvious as the best man's speech <laughs>
1: right, right because everybody, it was just, it was amusing because everybody was just, like, petrified. It's like, he's going to have to make a speech.
2: Yeah, <laughs> it was really funny to see all the
1: people. And, and what, you know, what What will that entail?
2: The telegram tradition is one that we don't have, so I was like, I wonder what's up with that. And then I um, sort of got what, it, what they were doing whenever they did that. But, like, we definitely don't have that one here. So.
0: Yeah, that is apparently a tradition that they have there. That was something that I was unfamiliar with uh, until, actually... Uh, you may remember this, Holly. The first time that I encountered it was in the second Bridget St- Bridget Jones novel. They did it at Jude's wedding. Um, that was the first time I actually encountered it, and I was like, "Oh!" And then I completely forgot all about it. I, don't, I, I
2: didn't. No, I don't remember that at all.
0: <laughs> I didn't either. And then a friend of mine pointed it out to me recently. She said that was the first time I encountered it, and I said, "You know what? You're right." <laughs> and then when I was watching Sherlock, I said, "Oh." Yeah, that's where I remember seeing that. So that must be a thing that they do there. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Because he was like, blah, 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 love, blah,
1: blah, 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 Yeah. There's a general theme here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Um I'm trying to think of what are some of the other, the other highlights. Um, they
2: were drunk. Drunk Sherlock and Drunk Watson were kind of awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Those scenes were really funny, I thought.
0: Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. Oh, I know. I should should point out actually a funny scene is the the thing at the beginning with uh, with Lestrade, and he he was he was just he was on this this you know case that he'd been investigating for years, and it's like, oh, Sherlock needs you for something, and he just <laughs> abandoned it, and he's like. I need some things to say about Watson.
0: <laughs> yeah I, you, you have this moment where it's like I, I love I love the text message it's it's, it's you know Baker Street help now <laughs> yeah. I really think that there's something that you really really think that there's something going on, but that's that's also very typical of sherlock that that very much um that that sort of high functioning sociopath slash possible Asperger's side of him,
1: yeah,
0: that's so grounded in self that he he's not doing it to be rude. That's what's completely hilarious about it. He doesn't know. He doesn't even recognize <laughs> from the outside how ridiculous that looks. Yeah, and I think that's why we accept it. Um, it's it's actually really interesting because I've noticed that. In the in the gap between the two, in the gap between the two seasons, uh, or the gap between seasons two and se- in, and season three, um, I was watching. I've been watching a lot more of um, of The Big Bang Theory. And something that Jim Parsons was saying recently about Sheldon, I think, actually clicked for me with Sherlock. This idea that we accept it because. Of the way that everyone else around the character recognizes that they're not doing it to be rude. So we see, for example, Uh, You know, all of Sheldon's eccentricities, everyone accepts it because that's just the way he is. He's not trying to be a jerk. He's just so wrapped up in his own insecurities that he doesn't recognize that he's being a jerk. And everyone else accepts it, which means the audience accepts it and doesn't get annoyed by it. And we embrace that with Sherlock similarly because we see that the other characters are not getting frustrated with him and leaving him in the dust, but actually trying to cultivate whatever kind of humanity might be buried underneath all of that. You know, they're, they're not giving up on him, so we don't want to give up on him either. Right. Yeah.
2: Well, and it's really interesting, because you get to see um, Mary's interaction with Sherlock, because you, you know, she could very easily be someone that um, resents him because he's, you know, someone else in, in John's life, but she sort of embraces him, which is kind of interesting that she, you know, because she does it because he does and... Um, yeah. Like, like, I really like that that character. Actually,
0: I think it's, I think that's uh, a really interesting, not necessarily canonical departure, but it's an interesting uh, way that they are enriching the stories because Mary is in the original Sherlock Holmes stories. Is she's not, she's not very present. Um, Conan Doyle has. Conan Doyle has a, has a way of getting her out of the way very, very easily. Um, she's either, either you know, um, away visiting friends or relatives when Watson is off with, with Holmes. Or she is telling Watson, you know, go to him because I know that you miss him. And I know that he misses you. And she cultivates that relationship from the outside. Yeah. And yet... I think this, this modern day adaptation is really telling us that, no, you know, she can have a place in this relationship and she can have a an active way to not just cultivate their, continue to cultivate their friendship, but she can interact with them on, on an equal level. This is not, uh, you know, this is not 1887, this yeah. is 2014, and sure. I... Well, and so- she completely
2: manipulates both of them whenever uh, <laughs> yeah. she's you know, she's, yeah. <laughs> which was kind of amusing. Like I was like, oh, she's she's playing both of them here, so that was funny. I
1: thought. The the other thing that, that j- sort of ties into what you were saying before about about Sherlock and you know being him him being able to relate with to people and whatnot. It was an interesting when when he was when Watson told him you know he wanted to be his best man and all that stuff and it, it seemed like he was just completely. Taken aback that that you know Watson actually considered him a friend, you know, like yeah. it was like he just he he was, I, and it was just kind of it, it was sort of it was the funny that it was played because he was you know he was talking about all the stuff he was he was saying and he was his responses, but we see him and he's just he's just staring at him, <laughs> like he's just not saying anything at all. But it was just it is
0: strange, and it's strange because he knows that they're friends. Um, he, He, you know, he recognizes that extent, he recognizes that extent of their relationship, but yet he doesn't see himself as being worthy of that kind of recognition and a friendship, of that kind of honor. I think that he, as at a point In the development of his emotions where he can recognize that he needs John and that he can appreciate John. Mm -hmm. But he doesn't, I think he's not at the point yet where he can appreciate himself enough to recognize that John appreciates him. And Mm -hmm. I think we can
2: all sort of, I I know I can identify with that in some respects. Like, you don't really realize how you affect people until they tell you, you know? Yeah, yeah. So you know, you might actually affect people more than you realize. So I think I know I can identify with that said like, wait, what?
0: <laughs> you know? And so. yeah, and John and the the truth is that however much he he can't seem to grasp that is he has affected John's life because John has found himself back in back in civil society. He is a wounded warrior and he feels very useless. And Yet, the work that he does with Sherlock gives him a way to protect the public. It allows him to be it allows him to act on his soldierly instincts without him being on the battlefield. And that's important. That's important to him. It makes him feel valuable. Um, and he Appreciates Sherlock for himself and for their friendship, but he also appreciates what Sherlock has been able to do for him, for his mental health and his stability, and for his for his rehabilitation.
1: Yeah. 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 Definitely. Do not think there's anything? Um Oh, one thing that the, the, we are obviously yeah. jumping on quite a bit here, yeah. but the one thing that the the stuff that I really enjoyed in this one too was was the stuff with with Sherlock and, and Janine. Was that her name? Was it I love name?
0: that yeah, part? Me. <laughs> yeah, I love that part because
1: at first the she idea
0: was that Sherlock is actually a good dancer. Um, I find rather, I don't know, surprising because he was criticizing her you know he's like oh you know we're about to to do this in in front of people and and your skills are appalling (laughs) and I'm thinking to myself you how I mean you're wonderful at a lot of things but I I just somehow just don't think ballroom dancing is on your CV (laughs) and yet yet apparently it is because Yeah. (laughs) yeah yeah
1: And then it was actually kind of sad a little bit at the end because...
0: That was really she sad. Decided,
1: I think yeah. he decided he wanted to dance with her and then she, w- she was with that guy that he told her she should get together with earlier.
0: Yeah. So. Yeah. And, you know, he just... he He's feeling a lot of complicated emotions and...
2: Yeah. Well, and it's interesting too, they kept going back to this a lot in the episode and I, I've experienced this in my real life. Um, marriage often is sort of an ending for a lot of things like i know when my friends get married you don't see them as much and especially when they have kids it's like all over um (laughs) you you never see them again (laughs) and and the relationship isn't the same and it's sort of i mean you're happy but you're sad at the same time because it's not it,
0: it,
1: it changes things
2: yeah and not always for the better on your end, and you've got to sort of and, you know, deal with that. And it's,
0: yeah, you know, and it's, they keep saying that. Um, Mrs. Hudson says that several times. Yes, yeah, yeah. Marriage yeah. changes things; it changes you. And I think that it's quite possible that it it certainly does it certainly does change things, but I also wonder to what extent it might change things. Uh, you know, this, this this might be reaching slightly and, and romanticizing a bit, given that we're talking about Sherlock. But I, I wonder to what extent, even on a subtle level, level, it might change things for Sherlock in a positive way and make him recognize that, help him to recognize that these kinds of relationships are possible. Um, that there is something... Beyond just that intellectual connection that can actually enrich that intellectual collection. It's not um, you know, it's not necessarily brain or heart. it's it's not it's not head or heart, It's head and heart. And I think that that we see that kind of early on um, at the end of at the end of series one, when you've got, you know, Moriarty's guns, one's trained on Sherlock's head, and the other one's trained on John's heart. And, it's, and then, I, then I think they reverse it at some point. They, they change it and they're on John's head and Sherlock's heart because John is Sherlock's heart. And that relationship really embodies that union of head and heart. And maybe, you know, looking at John and Mary's marriage could teach Sherlock that those kinds of things are actually possible.
1: Yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, to, you mentioned the uh, like the whole like his 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 heart and everything. It, it's actually similar in a lot of ways to um, uh, to what they're what they do with Doctor Who, and obviously they're both Steven Moffat and right, Moffat, they're both Yeah, like he needs a companion. He needs yeah. he needs somebody with him because you know. He can't. Things don't go very well when he's on his own.
0: Yeah, right. And it's it's you know it's about cultivating you know cultivating personal relationships that we, you know, in terms of similarities, drawing similarities between characters like Sherlock and Doctor Who. These these are people who, in you know, to kind of invoke a, a, a cheesy term, their their mission is kind of to save the world and save, you know, save mankind and better mankind. And yet, you know, in order to do that, in order to be able to do that, they need to be able to relate to mankind. So they need to be able to cultivate human relationships. And so that's, that's just as important. That is just as important, I think, for the Doctor as it is for Sherlock. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, but the doctor, I think, has somewhat more humanity. Um, not not that he has more humanity, but he's more in touch with his humanity, which is actually kind of funny considering that he's an alien. Yeah. But, <laughs>
2: yeah, but he spends so much time around humans. I think that's why he's more in touch with his humanity.
0: Right. So it's it's interesting, and and it's interesting too that um, these this this idea of um the fact that this idea of the companion. Uh, in, in terms of John and Sherlock is much much more than the the kind of buddy cop scenario or it's not the sort of Batman and Robin John is not a sidekick John is, no. is so much more than that and a lot of adaptations of Sherlock Holmes really uh, you know the most, the most famously bumbling uh, Watson of course is Nigel Bruce um, who is just you know, the most ridiculous Watson, completely clueless. He just does whatever Holmes tells him to do. He's like a little puppy.
1: Yeah. And,
0: you know, to you know, he's he's the puppy to to Basil Rathbone's very wonderful and engaging Sherlock. And yet here we have an adaptation where there's so much more of that. And I think that the original stories are so much more than that. Because Watson is the storyteller in the original stories. And it's so easy to forget that, because he's chronicling, he's chronicling the adventures and the talents of his friend, but yet the story is equally about him, and he's the narrator, and he's the access point through which we see all of this. None of this is possible, none of these stories are possible without John's voice.
1: Right, right. Yeah, you're right, like I, I, I it, it is always weird when you see... A, a version of Sherlock Holmes with a with a bumbling Watson because it's not that's not really true to the the original stories at all,
0: right? Yeah, um. I don't know if you guys are familiar um, with uh, I don't know if you, either of you guys are familiar with Kate Beaton. She does all these. She's she's done some really funny comic strips um, of some literary comic strips, and she's got one of Sherlock and of Sherlock and and Watson where she it, it's the case of the two Watsons and there's a real Wa- there's the real Watson and then there's um what happens is like there's there's like a Watson clone but he's he's stupid and he's like really he's this kind of like round chubby stupid looking and they actually refer to him in the strip as stupid Watson <laughs> stupid Watson <laughs> and it and it just it plays with that idea that you know the idea of a stupid watson is actually pretty pretty ridiculous because watson is a very invaluable part of all of this
1: yeah yeah definitely um i'm trying to think if there was anything else that well, we. well there's
2: a big reveal at the end that
0: she's pregnant that mary's pregnant oh yeah
1: and and he was like i'm a how doctor did
0: how did you do... know before i did yeah how did react to that i i thought at first i i didn't really see that coming i when she was you know i didn't see it coming at all like i was completely like whoa she yeah because i mean it does you know things like that it it changes your it does change you know your taste and your senses etc but i when she first made the comment about the wine tasting terrible i thought oh god they're not going to poison her please do not poison her because if you poison her i will never forgive you (laughs) Oh, I didn't
2: think about poison either. I was yeah, just like I just I thought it was because, like a
0: throwaway line. I was really afraid that, that something was going to happen to Mary and I would have been really upset because I still haven't entirely gotten over what they did to Irene Adler at the end of Scandal in Bulgravia. That that, you know, she was she was wonderful and vibrant and brainy and sexy. And then we have the damsel in distress ending. that mm. uh, I I still have not forgiven Stephen Moffat for that. So I was glad and and very relieved that that mary was spared
1: (laughs) yeah yeah i thought um the the part where he was sort of the the really part of the investigation with the 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 women who were dating the ghost and just the way that was done was really interesting where you know he was he was basically talking in in chat chat rooms rooms and stuff but he was visualizing it as like he was actually talking to the people in like this chamber and everything and it was i thought that was sort of interesting just the way that. Yeah, was
0: done. I, I like the way that they, um, that the show plays with the way that Sherlock visualizes things, and I think that's probably one of the reasons why the Sherlock Holmes stories lend themselves so well to film and television adaptation, is because the way that Sherlock thinks is so visual. Mm-hmm. Um, he, you know, he observes everything and if you can imagine you know what you know the the camera shots in in his brain that are clicking as he as he looks around and he assesses crime scenes and evidence and even just the people around him the way that his mind is always working it's it's very visual his other senses are are very keen as well but he really takes everything in by what he sees and he organizes his brain uh, in a very visual way. And I, I like the way they do that in um, uh, the Hounds of Baskerville where you've got like the mind palace and he's actually touching things. It's almost like his brain, the inside of his brain almost looks, they make it almost look like an iPad screen sort of. Yeah. Yeah. And, And he's touching things and moving words around in his mind. And that, that's, that's such a clever uh, you know that that's such a clever visualization for us.
2: it's interesting too um the uh when he's like thinking out you know about how to to proceed when he realizes that there's something going on, the voice of his like brain or mind is is mycroft that is mycroft, right
0: yeah, that was Mycroft.
2: yeah, yeah. that was
0: interesting yeah this idea that. You know, I, I'm I'm curious to see how their relationship continues to develop. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I think they've done more with the two of them in this series than they have in the past. So
0: have yeah, because Mycroft is Micraft is around, you know, even in the original stories, but he, he sort of pops in and out. Um he's a he's a very he's a very mysterious quantity uh, himself. Yeah. And so I like I like the fact that he has a little bit more uh, he has a little bit more of a pervasive presence here.
1: One thing that I was just trying to think, I i was a little bit confused about what was happening. When when the the, the kid came up and told him, like, the, the Invisible Man and everything, did that actually happen, or was Holmes imagining that? Like, was that just part of his, like, you know, sort of like where he saw?
2: Well, that was in the Q&A, and people were giving all theories. Oh, was it? Okay, Why?
1: yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, that's right and that actually was sort of what happened because I mean, the invis- the invisible knife he didn't see like you know it was done yeah um. right
0: and and I think the um what actually winds up happening with uh, you know with with major Shalto is 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 quite a surprise and and I I think that it you finally understand when you get to that point where the episode was going because for the most part I until we get to that point where we realize that yes someone there someone is is potentially going to be murdered at this wedding um i was thinking oh god you know don't let this be ni- 90 minutes of character development we we don't deserve this we mm-hmm. waited too long for, you know don't mm-hmm. give us i mean it, it was interesting and important character development because it, with a series that's you know the sherlock is a series that it's not like Doctor Who or Downton Abbey in the structure where we only have three episodes. So mm-hmm. until we have the next year. So John and Sherlock have a lot of things that they need to say to each other. Mm-hmm. And they don't have a lot of time to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So in one respect I, I could see why all of that was important. But in another respect I was I was going, Okay, I what is the centerfold of the plot line of the yeah. story here um, what is going to happen what is the crime you know and finally we got aha you know the, the potential murder at the wedding and it all clicks together and we see we see how all those other pieces fall into place with you know with the Buckingham Palace Guard and everything else but up until that moment I I was really frustrated in terms of the plot structure <laughs> yeah
2: that didn't really bother me i was just kind of on along for the ride i was enjoying the the show (laughs) i i was (laughs) i I don't tend to really analyze
0: things like i enjoyed it but up until that point i was really confused and thinking okay where is this actually going in terms of
2: i thought it was gonna gonna go back to that original um case with the bank robbers and everything but it did
0: not i thought so too yeah yeah thought it was going to be that or it was going to go back to the the women dating the ghosts
2: yeah um yeah. you
0: know because like, it all kind of
2: tied into the the bank robbers not so much but the the ghost thing all kind of yeah, tied into yeah the ghost thing
0: it all did yeah. um and i thought that but for whatever reason, you know, up until that point, we made that connection because he used the... Yeah, I mean, he used those women to gain access to the wedding. But up until that moment, I thought that that was going to be a separate case and that that was going to go... So I like the way they tied that in because I wanted them to go back to that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I was
2: a little bit confused, actually, how they he used the women to get access to the wedding.
0: They were... The way I understand it, and I could be wrong, too, because it was a little bit confusing. It happened so quickly. My understanding is that they were all wedding guests. So he was able to gain access, I guess, to their invitations. And so he knew where the wedding was going to be. Or so. I'm not really. I don't know, actually. Maybe I'm wrong. Well, I thought one of them was. One like,
2: of them was a guest.
0: One, one of them, them was. A guest. And yeah. I thought
1: they were. Some, they Weren't they somehow all or at least some of them involved with that the major in some fashion like um
0: they must have been
2: because that yeah well, the one girl was wasn't she I, think,
1: I so. think so This is definitely one of those one of those episodes you you want to watch more than once just to
0: You do yeah it, there was there were a lot a lot of details in this particular one that I just things were just flying past me and I was like wait I don't – because the flashbacks, the, the flashbacks to those moments with John, and I was going, okay, wait, I – is this a crime? Is this just a random flashback? I I really – there was so much going on in this episode. I, I found it um, kind of to be sensory overload at times. Yeah. Yeah. Well,
2: it was interesting because I didn't know um... – the woman that he was, the bridesmaid that he was with, was was it Gina? Was that her name? Janine. Janine, yeah. Um, and so when he when he saw the guy and he was like, Janine, this is the guy for you, and I was like, wait, who's Janine? And I was really confused. <laughs> so okay. then I had to go back at the end and watch that scene again because I was like, oh, that's what. It, okay, now I understand. So. Yeah. And
1: it's it was um it was interesting too because yeah you think you 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 think as as you're wa- going through it that it's. It's all random, like just the, the stories. He's like the thing with the, the thing with the, the guy who was attacked in the shower, and the, the the thing where you know they were they were drunk and everything. But it all it all ties together yeah. at the end, and I don't even think he realizes that it was going to tie because it was like they were like, so what happened? How was he attacked? Like actually, I don't know.
0: <laughs> that was actually one of those clever moments where, um, I, I because I spent a lot of time wondering how this particular story was going to relate to the original sign of four. And other than the fact that they use some of the same character names, the structure of this of it really was very different. Yeah. Um, but I mean of course in the original sign of four, that's how Watson and Mary meet. Um, right. they don't get married in that story, but that's how they meet. Um but the scene with the with the guard, um, the way that Bartholomew, yeah, Bartholomew Shalto, the way that he's killed in the original Sign of the Four, um, he is, they find him in a door that's locked from the inside. And he's just got this poison dart in his neck. And they're just like, well, but how? There's no signs of forced entry. There's nothing. Mm-hmm. And so that that was a kind of clever connection to to the original to grounded in the original story but again something that you wouldn't pick up on unless you had read the original story Right, right and something that's not necessary which is which actually is actually what i like is that you you can pick up on those canonical references but they're not essential to understanding what's going on in this particular in this particular story it's it's a mystery in and of itself yeah. that can in, that can exist independently of the original story, even though it draws from the original but story.
1: I know that Stephen, Stephen Moffat likes to do that because in in Doctor Who, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that you know references and kind of callbacks to the you know the classic series. That if you're if you're not familiar with the classic series, it, you know you, you'd miss them. But it's not like it's not essential. But it's just sort of right. a neat little yeah. little treat for people who who are familiar with the the old the old episodes. Yeah.
0: And I think that's something that is actually very. Um... I think that's something that's very distinctly British because they're they're very proud of their they're 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 proud of their literary and cultural history very very much and we see it even in you know we see it even in in things like Downton Abbey some of the some of the literary references in Downton Abbey you know I sit there and and I I recognize a lot of those literary references and it's like ha, you know you, you could you could totally play a drinking game with you know with that and and I think that that is just a fun way to ground a lot of these things in in a very rich um, you know in a very rich tradition of storytelling that yeah. that yeah. the English are very very proud of
1: yeah and and what's what's great is if, if you're if you're not as familiar you can you can you don't have to see them and I think that's actually one of the mistakes they made um, I don't know if, if you ever saw it or not but back in the the '90s, they tried to make an American version of Doctor Who, and the, what the problem was, it was almost like you really needed to be super familiar with the original, because there were so many things that were just dependent on that. And I think,
2: I think first, most people just like, found it
1: confusing. The
2: first thirty seconds, it was like you had Daleks, you had Davros, you had Master, you had yeah.
1: so, like the old, yeah, the, the old Doctor generating something... the new Doctor, and it was just confusing. <laughs> yeah. And that was the first Doctor Who thing I ever, I ever watched. It was like
0: sometimes. That that's the problem. You either have to, to take the original British version of things or not at all. Sometimes we can't Americanize these things. Sometimes no. you can. Um I I don't even think I, I even hesitate to call I don't know if either of you guys have ever watched any of CBS's elementary. No. no. Okay. Um I I, I suppose for all intents and purposes, yes, it's an Americanization of Sherlock Holmes, but he's still so quintessentially English. I mean, it's Johnny Lee Miller, so, you know, he he's still very quintessentially English. And just because he's living in Manhattan, it it doesn't feel... It doesn't feel like it's Americanized in a very cheesy way, so
1: right.
0: it it works. Um, I have to say, I was really skeptical um, last year when the first season aired. I was really skeptical in the beginning, but I, I fell in love with it um, in a very different way. In a very different way than I love Sherlock. I'm I'm loyal to to Sherlock and Elementary. Some people are are one or the other um some people are sherlock purists some people like elementary better i'm very loyal to both in very different ways um you know some people have issues with the fact that elementary gives us a female watson um and that oh that that is so goes against the canon that's such a (laughs) departure you can't do that i actually think it's really intriguing and i like it but yet in other respects Sometimes Americanizing something doesn't work because it's it's too much grounded in a particular culture, yeah, and if yeah. you take it out of that culture, nothing makes sense anymore. Right,
1: right. right. And I think that was I think the- it
0: was like when they tried to do is that touring show when they tried to do an Americanized version of uh, a U.S. version of what was that show? Little Britain. Oh and, yeah, yeah. Oh my! It did not work. It it wasn't even funny. It just I don't it didn't know, but work. I think
2: I maybe wait, did we see one episode of that? I can't remember now. I think so. I think I have it on something to watch, but Yeah,
0: and it, it didn't it did, the American version didn't I don't think it I don't think it took off.
2: I think they only did like one or two seasons. Yeah, I don't think they they yeah, did,
0: they, they, they did do. and it just it didn't work. It's just because you you some things don't It's it's interesting because you know, it, it it's still very much western culture but at the same time it it's such a different it's such a different mindset and things don't things even even things like humor are mm-hmm. are very much grounded in culture and a lot of americans don't understand don't understand british humor and the the thing the thing that's unfortunate about that is that when when we say that when those of us who do understand british humor when we say that it almost makes us sound pretentious as if Mm -hmm. americans are stupid but it's not that americans are stupid it's just a different mindset yeah
1: yeah Yeah. it's a different kind of humor because i know um uh like the office for example it started out, like, the first episode of The Office, the American version of The Office, is, is almost a scene-for-scene scene redo of the British one. Right. It didn't work so... It wasn't really... Into, they kind of right. had to find their own voice, you know? Like, Yeah. And and I, I like both the American one and the, and the British one, but they're very different shows, and I think they had to be. I think they had to, because, you know, again, it's such it was such a British thing that it had to become... It had to kind of find its own...
0: Yeah, it has to find its own voice. Yeah, exactly.
1: Um, I don't think I know. I've never seen this, but apparently, the um, American version of Coupling was was pretty much a, a you know scene for scene thing, and it didn't work. I, I've heard that it's not not good. I, I don't. I mean, I don't know, but I. I've, I've I love heard. Coupling.
0: Well, they're apparently they were also apparently going to do an Americanized version of that of the Inbetweeners, and uh, which is another British series, and tech, and I've seen not not a lot of it, but I've seen some of the in-betweeners and you don't need to. It's just a bunch of teenagers and it's just, it it will translate. Trust me, the humor will translate. Mm -hmm. And you know i've seen the in-betweeners and when i found out that they were going to americanize it i'm like but you don't need to (laughs) just air it here in its original form i mean a bunch of teenagers running around getting drunk having sex you really don't think the humor is going to translate trust me it will translate that's
1: pretty much universal (laughs) yeah yeah
0: (laughs) so i i don't know why they had to bother um thinking to do that it's like just 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 bring it over here just
1: show the the british one people people will get it yeah
0: Enough. It's it's yeah. I I think that, which is why I'm I'm so glad that I'm so glad that Sherlock has has taken off so well here. Yeah, that it's been so well received because it is it is such a great show, and I I think that, um, I actually not not to go back to this idea of you know Americans not appreciating British things and uh, you know Americans not being cultured and not highbrow enough and blah blah, but I I do like. I do think it's it's promising that we see things like Sherlock and Downton Abbey uh, taking off here in their original form because it is showing us moving away from the tendency to have to Americanize everything.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, because we we don't have to Americanize everything. We it's it's I think that that's probably one that's if if if. if we have any fault at all it's that we do have a hard time savoring things in their original form we have to americanize everything and and that that kind of certain things just lose their flavor when you do that yep
2: yeah yeah definitely so i think i think that we as a culture should embrace other cultures more
1: yeah and um and i mean even duck like going back to doctor who i think it's it's since it's come back and since bbc america has been running it in the us it's it's doing very well it's doing, it's really doing well.
0: amazingly well i mean yeah. so much to the point that i was really surprised when they were going to do uh when they were they were you know airing the day of the doctor and all that back back in november um and i some some of the some places in the us were going to be doing like syndicated screenings at at movie theaters yeah, and yeah. there was one i mean i you know live in Gainesville, Florida, and there was actually a not even in Gainesville, like in the town a little bit south of Gainesville in Ocala that you know was actually screening it. Mm-hmm. And we were shocked. I mean, we were all just like, yeah, road trip to Ocala and because <laughs> I think, you know, it is it is actually a popular show among the college crowd as well, but but it I was really really pleasantly surprised to see that. Yeah, um, so it yeah. is. It is encouraging. Definitely. Yeah.
1: Definitely. All right. Well, do we have
2: anything else do to think add about we Sherlock? Say about Sherlock?
1: I mean, about this episode, we, I think we've kind of I think we've, we've covered it.
2: Yeah. Jumped
0: around quite a bit, but yeah,
2: um, we covered it though. Like yeah. people have watched it already, so they
0: know. What I happens. think yeah, people have. Although the only thing that I do wonder, um, which is sort of just kind of more of a general question, is if anyone is. Um, so we, you know, we 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 see Sherlock come back, and that's great, and we're all happy about that. But I wonder if anyone is still grieving in in a completely different way. Um, if anyone is, is, is grieving, you know, the loss of Moriarty, um, if anyone was actually hoping that, that y- you knew that he wasn't going to come back, um, yeah. the way that he killed himself was just too convincing. Yeah, yeah. But, but I I found myself when I was watching The Empty Hearse, I, I found myself still very much kind of grieving Moriarty in a way. Um, and I think that that's actually really a testament to Andrew Scott, because Andrew Scott gives us a Moriarty who is actually likable. Um, he's a villain, but he's a likable villain. Yeah. And he's
1: yeah.
2: fun. He yeah, sexy. he was really fun, I thought, actually. And there and, were people I, who I, really I, didn't like him. Like, he was very polarizing, but... Um,
0: I don't, I don't grieve for him in the way that I grieved for, you know, we couldn't really grieve for Sherlock because we knew he was alive, so we were sort of grieving for John. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, so I, I'm not grieving for Moriarty in the same way that I'm grieving for show. I'm grieving for Moriarty in terms of the dynamic that he brings to the show. Um, I'm not really grieving for the loss of him so much as a character. I, I, it's, it's very mixed up. I'm not sure whether I'm grieving for Moriarty or whether I'm grieving for Andrew Scott. I'm not 100% <laughs> sure. It's Maybe very, a little of both. <laughs> it's, 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 a, it's a really confused tangle of emotions. But I, I do find myself missing the dynamic that Moriarty brings to the show, and that he brings to Sherlock in particular, yeah
2: yeah, um I kind of wondered because I, I like I said in the last episode I, I didn't re-watch season two, so I wasn't as familiar with like I had to get refamiliarized with you know what happened at the events of of the end of season two, and I couldn't remember how he killed himself, so I actually even wondered at the end if it was him, but I don't think so no it was the, then, I... the mysterious man at the end, so.
1: I I really liked that in last week's episode. We kept seeing the different ver- like like oh okay we're gonna see how what happened. Nope no we're not. That's just someone's theory of what <laughs> yeah. happened.
0: I know that they were all you know they were all theories and and for a while I I wasn't even sure what was the real one and what was Anderson's you know what yeah. was Anderson's theory. It got a little bit confusing. Yeah. Um, a lot of those were clearly a lot of those theories. I I, I think were clearly. Uh, Moffat and Gates poking fun at in, in in a in a nice way, not in a mean way, but I think that they were clearly poking fun at some of the fan theories. Yeah. Oh yeah, surfaced. totally, totally. They were. Um, that 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 was that was pretty blatantly obvious. Um, and if those were actual real fan theories that they, t- I mean, some of those were pretty clever. Yeah. Um, I liked the uh, the bungee cord.
1: <laughs> yeah, and like, but because Anderson was like. Yeah, I guess that could work. That's not how I would have done it. I mean, clearly that was him responding to the <laughs> yeah. fan. Yeah,
0: I, I, I really, I thought that that was... And Darren was... Brown was there. And... Yeah. and then, Yeah, and the then... well, the Darren Brown thing was, was a little bit incredulous. I, I didn't really buy that one.
2: <laughs> and then and then Moriarty and Sherlock were kissing, which was interesting.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I I, have to admit, there there was a, a part of me that, that squeed a little bit as a fangirl when I saw that. <laughs> A I,
2: little,
0: I yeah. To. I was like, "Huh." <coughs> I, I, did. I, I really. There, there was a moment when I thought, "Oh." But then that I was like, so "No way! Finished. There's no way that could happen." I
1: mean, when but, when that but, happened, okay, my thought was but like, that,
0: "That is basically that. That is a, that is a fantasy that has probably been acted out in so much fan fiction. <laughs> yeah. That <to> see that. <laughs> That's what I was just
1: thinking. But, so yeah, like fan yeah. fiction. I bet there's a ton of that fan
0: fiction. Oh yeah. Gosh, I mean, to see them acted out on screen is like, it's it's a fangirl's dream come true. <laughs> I mean, or fanboy, whatever. Yeah. Um. It, it I really, that, that moment was so, I think, in terms of a nod to the fans, that was such an iconic moment. And if they had, I was so glad that they included that. Yeah. yeah. Because it, it's acknowledging the, you know, the slash element and all of this. Yeah. So... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay, so has that pretty much covered yeah, it for us?
1: Yeah, I think that's... A, and unless anyone has anything else to add, I think that's probably going to do it for this week's Sherlock. Yeah. yeah. And then we just have one more, unfortunately. How, I, know.
2: I know. It's already over, almost.
1: Yeah. It
0: seems so strange. It just started. <laughs> I
1: know. Hopefully we don't have to wait another two years. Yeah. For the next the next... I
0: think I... I hope we're not going to have to. I don't think we're going to have to because I think like Holly and I were talking about this before that one of the problems was that there was there were Hobbit things that were interfering for a while with series... with filming of series three because Barton Freeman and Benedict Cumberbatch were both doing The Hobbit.
1: Right.
0: So now they're all wrapped up and so hopefully and and Benedict's done with, with Star Trek and... Uh, he, he's got a lot of he's he's had a pretty busy schedule so um, he's been a pretty busy busy bee in terms of filming so but hopefully yeah a two year wait I think would be very devastating for a lot of us
1: yeah I think so yeah.
2: all right well um, I think that's gonna wrap it up for this week this week for this geekology um, thanks Fran, Cheska for being our geekologist. And thank
0: you for having me.
2: Yep. And uh, again, you can follow her on, po- on Twitter at Poet Prodigy 7. You can follow um, the Geekology Show on Twitter at Geekology Show and GeekologyShow.com and feedback at Geekology <laughs> And I'm Holly Anderson, and you can follow me on Twitter at DHS Holly.
1: I'm Darcy Bernard, and you can follow me on Twitter at DHS Darcy.
2: Thanks, everyone, and we'll see you next time.